I just watched an episode of Fresh Prince. A Bel-Air? Where, yes, where they go back to Philly. Because, mm-hmm. you know, they live in L.A., which is like the car-centric city. Mm-hmm. So they go back to Philly, and everyone, like, Will's happy to go back because his mom lives there and whatnot. Yep. But everyone else is like, oh, I gotta go to Philly. You know, it's like, oh, trash city. Um, can't stay in this small house. I gotta go find, like, a five-star hotel. Anyway, after like a day or two, they kind of acclimate and like Philip and Vivian, they have to run some errands. So they're just, they just go for a walk, walking around the neighborhood. They find a brunch spot. They find some interesting stores. They're just enjoying the city, right? And when they get back to the house, they're just so happy, <laughs> so happy and content. Uh, it was just an interesting contrast between that environment that they were in and then how they typically act when they're in LA because there's so many episodes about traffic and cars and how and awful all that is but to have this sort of contrast uh, and this sort of take on urbanism that I was not expecting in a random Fresh Prince episode so it's kind of interesting have you ever been to Philadelphia I have been to Philadelphia yes it's actually a pretty nice city downtown I like, I like it. it's very pretty uh, it's got it's a one of the really oldest mix um, of old and new it's one of the oldest designed cities. The plan for Philly was from like the 1660s. Yeah. Thomas great. Holmes, I believe. Wow. You know that he originally planned the like central part of the city around four, like, like um, not central parks, but like four sort of anchor parks, like corner parks. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the grid was based around that. But he was expecting it to be one acre, like a state homes do you know what a specialization in urban planning is i i have that from texas a&m i didn't know any of what you just said right there it's funny to me that you are significantly more planning nerded than i am sometimes but a specialization in planning basically just means uh, i needed it for a resume and i didn't actually get a minor because i was one class short (laughs) that's what did you get your minor in history no i got my minor in business administration business and accounting yeah. Well, that's working out for you now. It worked out well, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I feel like we I need mean, to go ahead and do the intro since this is probably all going to make it on the podcast. Okay. Well, that would be an interesting way to just start yeah, just talking sure. about let's, Fresh Prince. Let's jump okay, right well, into the intro. Having said all of that, welcome to ZachCast. Greetings, all of that jazz. I'm Chad. That's Patrick. Uh, this is your official podcast for local government nerdery. Uh, so I guess let's just you want to keep on going with that topic? Yeah, let's or let's, go, right, let's, let's go. Are we going right into downtowns? I thought we were going to talk about hair first, and then we jump into downtowns. That's fine. When you okay. mentioned downtown, that's what I thought of, was this episode that I had just watched. Nice. And um, yeah, so. But the only reason that I... So you have like a planning specialization. My planning They don't actually call it that. I just had a professor who told me, yeah, just list it like that on your resume. That's, that's fine. Yeah. Lie. Whatever. <laughs> No one's going to check it. Nobody checked it. And at this point, it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> so, um, but I mean, my knowledge is I, I actually don't really like planning. Um, I never did like coming into the field. Mm-hmm. Like we argued about the merits of zoning for a wow. decade before, <laughs> like while we worked together. You finally come um, around on zoning now, haven't you? No, I actually like it less. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I think zoning is unconstitutional. And I think that there's a, Good chance that we might have Euclid versus Amber overturned. Well, hey, hold on, hold on for a second so I can beep all that out. All right, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So the problem with zoning is that, like, the idea behind uh, like public health and welfare mm-hmm. 
Like that is a legitimate governmental interest, but what zoning actually is in practice is has nothing to do with that. So okay. what has become is much more of a taking than any sort of like uh, public safety, health and welfare uh, instrument. That's just my opinion. Okay. It's a very interesting conversation. <laughs> so, um, so let's skip around and tell me about your haircut story and then we'll jump into it. Right, the... So then we'll go into downtown. All right. I'm going to have yeah. to come back. We're, we're, we're going to skip all, like, this is going to be one of the most schizophrenic episodes that we've had because it's true. Starting with, uh, like, halfway into a conversation, now we're going to talk about hair. Why did, we, why did we not have a podcast last week? We, we uh, last two weeks week. ago, we, were, we had our um, management retreat. Oh, we did. We were planning yeah. for the future of Zach. Okay. That's why. Yeah. Okay. Very nice. All right. So, well, yeah. we'll start haircuts. One, I noticed that you got a haircut. I did, Monday. Okay. Which doesn't happen very often, I feel like. I actually got a haircut. You, you are correct. I wait right. way too long. Uh -huh. I got a haircut much earlier. Probably about, I, I waited like half as long as I normally do. Well, so before I met you, you had long hair. When I was in college, I did have long hair, yes. Not in grad school, though. You'd cut it before we got to grad school. I cut it before I met my wife, yes. Okay. Before, which was fortunate before you met her or after you, met I cut her? it about three months before I met her. Okay. Cause she probably would never have dated you. Oh, never. Hair. Okay. Yeah. She wasn't in the hippies. I mean, we're, I'm talking like shoulder length. Oh, I know. Hair. Can, can we Super go ahead thick. and post the famous picture of the drum line picture? I will not be posting that in the show notes. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I used to use this at city hall all the time when Chad would get on my nerves, I'd go show everybody the picture of Chad <laughs> on the drum line. That's okay. I would show everyone the picture of you holding that furry little cat. The cat. That's the one my brother posts on my birthday every year on Facebook <laughs> to say happy birthday to me. I'm allergic to cats now, which is the irony of that. But uh, yeah, weird. Uh, so Chad got a haircut. It doesn't happen very often. So I do notice when he gets haircuts. Um, it's the, uh, you know, the butler from Mr. Deeds? Right? Uh, no, never seen it. You've never seen Mr. Is that a, that's an Adam Sandler movie, correct? Yes. Yeah. Never seen it. Okay. So there's the butler in Mr. Deeds and he's like, he always like shows up in the creepiest of, of atmospheres, right? Like you've seen the pictures of like Joe Biden who sniffs hair, like President Biden <laughs> yes, sniffing I have hair, seen those. right? Yeah. Yes. I've seen those memes. So, so like my crazy thing is like, I always notice people's haircuts, like always. So you remember that in the office, like, like Shelly would go get her hair done and I would always you know, see, I'd be like, oh, you dyed your hair or you did this with it. Or you know, like, I don't know. I just, I could always notice hair. It's just the thing I've yeah. always been able to My notice. wife got her hair done last week. I notice. knew she was going to get it mm -hmm. and I still didn't notice. <laughs> so uh, it was like an hour into seeing her that I was like, oh, your hair looks great, by the way. <laughs> did you I put a reminder remembered. on your iPhone? No, it just like slowly came back to me. Okay. But I, I do want the <laughs> podcast to know that that is something Chad would do just to he he you take those extra oh, yes. steps like give yourself a reminder on your iphone that your wife got a haircut to say that her hair looks good yeah so i do not have the ability to hold a bunch of things in my head at one time is it that or they is it just the sheldon side of you i think it's more the sheldon side of you it's just things that you don't know man i'll just i'll forget well the, I, that, that a little bit of that too okay but it's kind of like when somebody passes gas you can't smell it well i can't smell anyway yeah i know that's making so, that point you know yeah I used to it'd be so fun. So how many times did you fart in the truck on the way down to our <laughs> All the way to grad school? <laughs> that too, yeah. Man, it was so hard, dude. It was so tough. Because, you know, I worked um, 
uh, I worked down by Ladron Plaza, right? Like, remember mm-hmm. I had the two offices, technically three, like one at City Hall, one at Ladron, and then we had one at what was called the Tyndall Building when I was in Fort Worth. And uh, but I spent most of my time down at Ladron, and man, the food, it, the food was so zesty. And then you'd have to deal with me in the truck. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, anyways, but sidetrack. Do you know the difference between a normal haircut and going to a barber? Uh, I guess just based on the fact that you're asking this question that I uh, don't. Okay. So, so there are different licenses, right? There's a cosmetology license, which is like, you can cut hair, right? And there's like a barber's license where they can cut hair and they can do, you know, like other things like, you know, noses, ears, shave, mm-hmm. like a, a warm shave. Anyway. So my wife, I take my kids to the local shop, right? Like, the great clips or the sports clips. Okay. And, and to me, a Houston kid, and I hope the Houston people realize this, but you go get a fade in Houston. It's like 12 bucks, right? Like, and, and they're doing like five guys in an hour. It's just, you know, very common. I think when you live in a human environment like that, like you're never going to have long hair. Like everybody just goes to get a fade. And, um, well here, every time you get a fade, it's kind of different, right? So it's been very difficult for me to find a place to go get my haircut. And so I take my kids there too, to get their haircut. And and sometimes my kids hair, they have longer, more beautiful golden lock hair. Right. And sometimes they get butchered. And so my wife has been like, Hey, you know, my, my hairdresser told me you should go to this new barbershop that's in Alito. Uh, and it's like a small mom and pop barbershop. Okay. Three chairs, super small, very quaint with like legit barbers. And, and I grew up with that. I, I grew up in Katie. And there was a shop called Barretto Barber and he legit, he cut my hair the very first time. So like when I was like one and a half or two years old, he cut my hair until I graduated high school. I had the same guy who cut my hair. And when I was in high school before football games, as Chad would say, before I went to sit the bench and watch us win state championships, um, before football games, we would all go to Barretto Barber and he would cut our hair and he would do a straight razor shave on our face, right? Which if you've never had a straight, straight razor shave, have you on your face? Like with Mm -hmm. warm? I mean, I've done it. I've never had someone do it. Oh, no, I guess I use a, I use a safety razor. Yeah. That's not the same. Not like a straight razor. No, it's like the straight, like pulls it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, like Sweeney Todd, Sweeney Todd, or the thing you get mugged with in a back alley. Right. (laughs) One of those. So anyways, so I Speaking went, of Philadelphia. <laughs> oh, come on. I'm just Philadelphia kidding. is a safe city. <laughs> so um, my dad's from Philly, so I got to be nice to Philly. Um, my cousin actually has a podcast in Philly. He's like really into like the club scene there. We're going to get back to haircuts. So went to the barber. Longest story ever. Yesterday, the best haircut I've had in my life. An amazing haircut. It's hard to tell. But... It's it like when my dad says he had a good haircut. How expensive is too expensive for a haircut, a men's haircut? What is the, what is the over-under number on that? Including tip or before tip? Including tip. Um, I cannot get a haircut for less than $22. Okay. I paid which 40. Which already seems expensive. I paid 46 Yeah. She but could, that's not including tip. So she cut my hair. Elizabeth was awesome, by the way. She's got a really cool story. I had to get into that later, but she like, Grew up in a really interesting environment, but cut my hair. It was like an hour long experience. And when I got done, she didn't shave my face, but she did straight razor shave on like my sideburns around my ears and around the back of my neck. I don't know if I'll ever do anything different again. 
it was it was it was it yeah. was a great experience. See, so for me, that would be miserable. Like however wonderful she is and however great she does. Because somebody talks to you when, for an hour. When I get a haircut, I want to get in and out. I want to be done as quickly as possible. Oh, no, don't 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 act like it's you want to get in and out. Mm-hmm. You don't want to get exhausted because somebody talks to you for an hour. Uh, 100% yes. Now I will say that I have changed a little bit now that I don't work in an office because I don't see as many people. So I do find myself, and maybe it's also because I'm just getting older and that's kind of what you do is you just like talk to people. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I would always hate going places with my grandpa because he knew everyone. And like we say, we go to the grocery store to get donuts. We would be there for an hour and a half because he would just find people. Is that why you avoided lunch with grocery store? All the time? No, I can talk to people that I know. It's just like people, I'm really, really bad at small talk with people I don't know. Okay. But I I find myself talking to like cashiers at the gas station that I get like down the street. If I stop in and get like a Topo Chico or something, I'll like, I have a, I have my like regular morning cashier and I know her whole life story. She knows all my kids. So I never would have done that like 10 years ago. Yeah, you would never have shared no. outside of, you know, yeah. your... But I think a combination of COVID and then just working from home has flipped a little bit of a, of a switch for me. Okay, so that's my, you know, y'all make fun of me for this. Internally, the Zach team makes fun of me for this, but that's my Chipotle people, right? Because I go to Chipotle like three times a week. I know everybody mm-hmm. at Chipotle, all my employees. So, yeah. Uh, did I tell you about how... Um, so my wife goes to Starbucks at least once a day, sometimes twice, and she gets the exact same thing. and it's. It's not like a super crazy drink. It's a grande ice skinny vanilla latte with whipped cream. Okay. So it's not super crazy. A skinny vanilla latte. Skinny milk? No, skinny vanilla, yeah. Okay. Um, But I guess it's unique enough at that store where all of the people that work there know that that's her drink. So like one time I went to go and get it for her. And when I ordered it at the drive-thru, they were like, oh, is this for your wife? (laughs) Like, I don't know. I don't think I've ever said her name, so I'll just, I'll just leave it because yeah, I yeah. know that some of her clients have listened in the past, and I don't yeah. want to go there. But I was like, oh my gosh, people know her just by her drink order. That's uh, yeah, that's that's wild. My my funny was the kids and my wife were all off of school. My wife uh, works in public ed, and they were all off of school one day, and so we went. I was working, and I was like, all right, hey, let's go to Chipotle. You know, it's my typical Chipotle day, and we walk in, and the Chipotle staff was like, that's your wife. <laughs> I didn't really know how to take that. So I think mm. I think you know how to take it. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody? I think you're the you're the first to say that you outkicked your coverage. hundred uh, percent outkicked my coverage. Uh, but uh, you know, she was 15 and we were in high school. So, uh, and for some reason, she just thought I was cuddly. Katie wasn't as big then, so the options were more limited. Katie was six A back then, or five A big. <laughs> we didn't have six A back then. But come on, Katie's always been a big school. There were three high schools yeah. when I was in high school. Four was added, I think, when I was there. Yeah. Now there's 12. Crazy. But yeah. So right. so uh, a couple of weeks ago, we, we missed our podcast because we were heading to this uh, little Zach Tax retreat. Yep. You know, trying to just get all the same room and talk about where we want to head this year. Um, we had talked about actually just kind of joked about like re- just recording on the phone, like in the car on the way down there. But it turns out that that day was kind of a crazy day uh, because sales tax data came out and there was massive audit corrections across the state. And I think you wanted to just touch on that a little bit. I mean, first off, 
you and I trying to get away because really it was just it was it was you and I trying to get away so that we could have a conversation. The car ride was probably the most beneficial both both directions for a little while. But we've been trying to do that for years to try to, you know, just kind of get away and coordinate and try to figure out, okay, hey, let's let's like have a plan. Um remember the last time we did it, y'all went to Scottsdale and then everybody got COVID. That's true. On the and way for back. some reason we like at the last minute we had to stop. I think one of our kids got sick. One of your kids got sick, yeah. Yeah. And and I don't I don't think your like now all y'all's family members live up in North Texas. It's a little easier for you. But back then I don't think everybody did, right? Yeah. Also, I think my wife was pregnant. Yeah. I think that's also the case. So, yeah. It worked so, out well that we didn't go. It's a good thing you've stopped having kids now. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. What about dogs? You still have dogs? Still have now no no more dogs. No more dogs. Okay. Uh, Chad is over the legal limit for the amount of dogs you can have in most cities, uh, but you know that's okay. Good thing I don't live in the city. That's true. Actually, it's not a good thing. I, I wish I did, but <laughs> it's it's hard for you. <laughs> it's very difficult. Uh, so, yeah. So we're we're getting on the road. All of a sudden, I, I, who reached out to us first? Was it a city or was it Allison? I think maybe Allison was the one who caught the data first and was like, "Hey, there's something goofy here." Yeah, I think so. And then I mean, it, at that point, it's just like everybody started reaching out. As the data hit, uh, and, and you know, for those that don't look at the sales tax world, sales tax data hits in Texas uh, usually on uh, Wednesday, right? So Wednesday morning, uh, and it's usually the first full week Wednesday of the month. And um, sales tax hit; they just kind of post it to a website, and the data doesn't come for another week or so. And so it got posted. There was a huge audit adjustment. We can't tell you exactly who the audit adjustment was, but it was. You know, across the state, multiple cities, same taxpayer, uh, and you know, in the energy sector, we could say that. I think that's fair. Okay, so, uh, so we'll say in the energy sector, uh, there was a player that had an audit adjustment. Uh, we have asked lots of questions uh, to the comptroller's office. They have been fantastic to work with and continue to be fantastic to work with, and they are still trying to figure it out themselves. Uh, one of the issues that we have in Texas right now, it's something that we really need to address in the legislative session and have some conversations on is there is a limit when there's an audit done. So when a state initiates an audit or a city has the state initiate an audit for a taxpayer that should be paying them or is paying them incorrectly, one or the other, um, there's a limit on that rollback. I believe that limits four years and they can't go any further than that, but there's kind of a loophole in the statute on that and in the rules that allows for lawsuits that are filed to roll back even further. And so this audit adjustment um, goes back. What is the actual term, Chad? It was um, it was 2010 to 2013. Okay. So we're talking about money that was allocated 14, year old, yeah. 14, 14 years, years ago. And is now impacting some cities' budgets. Uh, Significantly. So, I mean, by one city's accounting, it's 10% of their entire general fund budget. Yeah. There were several cities that literally got no allocations this month. Yeah. And uh, they'll probably not have part of an allocation next month too, to continue mm -hmm. to cover it. Right. So I want to say this first, I want to, you know, before we get into what we know at this point, but just to be clear, this was, this was a reallocation. Correct. We, right. we can't see it all, but we believe it's a full yes. reallocation. We can't see every city, but for cities that we have seen, it's the same taxpayer negative for some positive for others. And we don't know why. Right. And it doesn't really make sense to us either. So we're trying to work through that as well. Um, but 
I want to say a couple of things before we get into some nitty gritties on this. One, I want to say if you were a city that was negatively impacted by this allocation and you've never gone through this before, the comptroller does have a program where you can uh, get that money back and then they will take it out over a payment period, uh, somewhere between usually 36 and 48 months. You can negotiate for length. Especially um, something that's this large. Yes, they'll offer you 12 months. You can always get more than 12. That's kind of like their general offer on the table. We've dealt with this numerous times with numerous clients, and it's just a it's a simple phone call, and it's a simple little one-page agreement uh, that you sign with the comptroller's office. It just says we're going to take this out over the next 48 months instead of taking it out over uh, the single month. So you can get it spread over multiple fiscal years. Um, you know, obviously for those cities that have huge impacts of like 10% or more, it's 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 just a it's an enormous hit, right? Um, but yeah, I want to get that out there first because I think it's extremely important to say, hey, don't freak out. If it hits you hard, we totally understand. Um, we still are skeptical at this point. I, I want to say that very clearly. I'm not saying that the impact is not actually going to occur or it's not real. I'm just saying that we have our antennas up to it just doesn't seem like this was supposed to happen like it happened. Um, and we haven't gotten an explanation out of the comptroller's office. And to be fair, the comptroller's office is not really squared away internally um, what has happened either. One side of the comptroller's office is the one who programmed the allocation that way, but that was not actually allocations. Um, you think we can go any deeper than that or kind of keep it there? No, actually, I was probably going to even cut short before that point but yeah okay. there's there are a lot of question marks and and I just trying to answer I, I want to reiterate right now they get paid 2% of allocations so they they should be good at what they do that's a lot of money um but they're very it's good a, to work with yeah okay it so, is a lot of money by the way it is a lot of money and there's a lot of moving parts there's policy section there's tax audit section there's allocations these are all different large scale departments within the same, uh, you know, comptroller's office, right? And they all have to work together and we work with all different aspects of them and there's good people there and they're doing hard work. And so, you know, our biggest criticism of this process is these audits should have been notified prior to them being removed from a payment. That's the biggest criticism. The side of the comptroller's office that we would normally deal with that would send out that letter, which would be the allocation side, was unaware of the audit adjustments, as, as far as we can tell at this point. We are still asking questions. They are still responding to us on a daily basis, telling us that they're still working through some of those questions. And when we know more, we will share more. So I wanted to put that out there. You got anything else there before I jump no. into the kind of problem with what we have here and what we see? on our data side. So I no, want to, I, I want to talk a little bit about the industry that's kind of popped up and we don't know if this is the case on this audit adjustment, but we've seen it on other audit adjustments, but there's been an industry that's kind of popped up that buys this possible tax reallocation or possible um, tax reduction. So it, this happens a lot in the oil and gas business. So we have a lot of our Cities in the Houston area, cities in East Texas that are very uh, oil and gas dependent, we see this a lot. Now, they're typically notified when it happens. So like when a lawsuit gets filed, they get notified that a lawsuit was filed. And, you know, just be aware that this money may be, you know, it, it, may, be, it may get clawed back. There's nothing like statutory, though, that requires the comptroller's office to do that. We think there probably ought to be something there. I, I do personally. Chad, we've kind of talked about that. I think you do too. But So to notify them? 
Yeah. So when when yes. when the comptroller's office gets quite simple to just for an send a letter or an email. Yeah. Anybody who's impacted should be notified. There's been a lawsuit filed. The problem is, is that I feel some like of these... there should probably also be some kind of website where you can see all of the pending lawsuits. Because so, imagine how many people on your staff from right. 2010 are still there. And that's where the problem comes in, though, because a lot of these lawsuits are uh, private. They're not public. They're not publicly filed. They go through a very private process because it's um, because it's sales tax, individual business sales tax data, right? And so they're able to keep that private. I think we should at least notify, just like we have a 380 agreement section on the Comptroller's website that says a 380 agreement with this company is here, right? We should at least have something that says we have pending lawsuits with these taxpayers who are suing to get their taxes back, right? That's it. We don't have to give the tax amount, yeah. but we need to notify what jurisdictions that they're suing and and who, because those jurisdictions are not aware. They're not a part of the lawsuit because the Comptroller is a state. It's sales tax goes at the state level. There's no There's no local jurisdiction on on sales tax. So I think it would be good to notify there. But there's a whole industry that we really need to talk about. It's kind of an underbelly that they go in, especially in the oil and gas companies, and they will find that the oil and gas companies paid sales tax that they shouldn't have paid. And they'll buy that liability from them, right? So they'll go in there and they'll say, hey, you paid a million dollars in sales tax and you really shouldn't have. We'll pay you 20 cents on the dollar. So we'll pay you $200,000 if you let us go sue to get this back for you. So you kind of assign all that over. Uh, and so sometimes those audit payments are going uh, to a different company than what the audit payments came in as, right? Um, so that's kind of there too. So there's a whole industry that's kind of set up to to do that that are law firms, hedge fund back type stuff that get into that as well. And we're seeing more and more of that. And I think when it was one-off and we only saw maybe one or two of these occasionally a year and it didn't really have an impact, it wasn't that big a deal, but it's just becoming more commonplace. And so I think we're going to have to have this conversation. It's just like property tax though. It's such a complicated issue. Trying to find a state legislature, that, state legislator that actually understands the issue is super hard, right? Um, and so it's it's going to have to be comptroller's office led. They're going to have to go in there and say. And I think this could be that one adjustment where we're like, okay, you know, this is such a sizable adjustment. We don't really know why it happened yet, but it's such a sizable adjustment impacting so many people that we need to go ahead and, you know, create some ground rules or some barriers here to to keep this from happening in the future. Thoughts? I was trying to, as you were talking about that, I was trying to think whether the property tax side or the sales tax side is less understood in the legislature. And at first my immediate thought was like, absolutely property tax is far less understood. Mm. But then I remembered <laughs> some of the hearings that we had sourcing uh, regarding the sourcing and the oh, nexus yeah. and, and then maybe question whether or not that initial, uh, that initial judgment was wrong. I and think I, it's probably and, still, still correct, but yeah, the, like it's a lot closer than I initially was thinking about and I'm not being critical of this the it's complex it's they have a lot complex. of issues yeah. that they're trying to deal with it's yeah. just one of many things yeah it's it's a it's a very difficult thing to to try to to it's just very it's it's very difficult to understand especially when you get into the rulemaking side not just the legislative side but the rulemaking side because you have the statute that says what sales tax should should be charged on and how it should be charged and things like that. And then you have a whole separate rulemaking authority that the comptroller's office has that just has years and years of historical rulemaking in it. 
and it's layer upon layer. And so, um, you know, and you have industries that are dependent on that taxation system to be stable. Um, so yeah, it's, it's super complicated. I just remember when we went through the sourcing conversation, we always thought, you know, in a utopian world, this would be perfect. Yeah, of course you would want to source sales tax to its point of destination like that. That would be the easiest thing in the world to do, but that's not how the economy in Texas has grown over the last 40, 50 years. So it's, you know, you're not really set up that way to be able to provide services in a manner that would be, that would work in a pure destination format. So I don't know, little by little, it seems like we're, well, that's why we kind of came up with a change of possession verbiage. Yeah. Right. Cause it's kind of shows how the two different sides of the coin aren't that dissimilar. Like if we look at origin sourcing and destination sourcing, we think, oh, these are like vastly different mechanisms for determining nexus, but really they're not. Yeah. You know, like sales operations and business operations and things like that, a lot of that uh, still survived some of the rule change that occurred. And so there's, there's still just like this, there's still a little bit of a goofy hybrid nature to, uh, to it, yeah. but. And then like, if you only have one physical, lo- like one office or one location, you can source all your sales tax there. Yes. Yeah, so, correct. So now that, now that, so like, you know, lawn mowing, like landscapers, landscapers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now that we're in California, though, I'm curious. Um, can we say this out loud? Texas actually does it better. <laughs> I was going to say, for how complicated things are and how crazy things get sometimes, you guys have it. You have it better. Yeah, hundred percent. They do in California. It is a very just needlessly complicated system, and we're trying to kind of figure out how to how to look at both Texas and California in a sort of more abstract and consistent way. And just trying to like fit that square peg in a round hole has been, has been interesting. Now, um, you know, in Texas, how we had the argument about like uh, building codes and how trades were pushing building codes a certain way to make things more expensive. Like this is sure it became a whole thing here. The conspiracy theorist in me is, is, is really starting to contemplate that, uh, California has really been driven by the consultant side on some of the rulemaking. The more complicated you make it, the more dependent you have to be on a consultant. And that's the city yeah. manager in me talking, obviously not the consultant. So, but it seems like there are just a couple of things that are goofy in the way that they do it. And it's not really making communities any more money or any less money. It's just overly complicated. So yeah, I may be wrong on that, but I, I think, it is certainly overly complicated. It's it's very overly complicated, and it's gonna it's gonna take me years to understand it. I mean, there's there's no doubt it's gonna take me years to understand it. So, are you ready to move on to downtowns? Yeah. So we uh, we don't say we won't say who this was, but we were heading to a city in Texas for this retreat. Yep. Coincidentally, that city has reached out to uh, to you, Patrick, and asked you a question that we thought might spur a little bit interesting conversation. Yeah. Basically, I got asked the question. You know, we don't. I was asked the question, do we anywhere in the software compare geographic regions from other cities? Uh, it's an interesting question. Sounds like a future thing to discuss in Zach Talks. Uh, but we don't. Sounds like a that. future opt in feature. Opt in feature. Yeah, 100%. Right. Um, and so I think uh, the answer to the question, obviously, is no, we don't because it's confidential data and we can't share it across cities. But when you look at things from, um, you know, obviously from a perspective of, when you aggregate them enough, when you aggregate them enough, you can, you can start yes. to look at it. You can start to give everybody an idea. 
And I think, you know, this individual city was looking at, hey, we have a historic downtown. And I just kind of want to know how everybody else's historic downtowns are performing. Right. That's kind of what we're looking at. So uh, I was like, yeah, I'll nerd out with you and go look at, you know, a couple of communities that I would consider to be, you know, historic. So, you know, going through and looking at historic downtowns, uh, which we're going to talk a little bit about kind of the historic downtowns. And then we're going to talk a little bit about like what I would consider to be like your, you know, yeah, a little, little more like business downtowns. Okay. Like a CBD. Yeah. Like a CBD. Yeah. Okay. And in this particular example, we're talking about smaller town downtowns, right? Not like downtown Austin. That's correct. In this particular example, we're talking about smaller downtowns. Um, And from what I can find the four or five that I've looked at so far. Oh, um, you've, you've got data. I've got data. Okay. Yeah. I didn't realize you were doing some research. Well, I, I actually told the city that I would reach back out to him and give him a synopsis. So are you going to just make them listen to the podcast? No, I'm not going to make them listen to the podcast. <laughs> okay. But since I was doing the work, I thought, you know, why, why not, you know, why not throw this into the podcast, right? And have that conversation. So of those communities that I looked at, um, you know, looking at those kind of historic downtowns that they've got, uh, overall, they've actually performed a, a little a little better than I expected. Uh, so, you know, I there's been some, you know, kind of interesting growth from a standpoint of those downtown areas. They've had kind of the same negative months, which has been interesting. Uh, so many of those downtown areas have seen, uh, since the start of the fiscal year, have seen two down negative months uh, versus uh, those that are years. And they are it looks like the ones that I would consider to be more touristy towns, towns that are like, you know, VRBO, Airbnb, like weekend getaways seem to to have uh, a little more of a, a detrimental impact in the negative side. Whereas those downtowns that are historic downtowns outside of major metropolitan areas, uh, which would be more of like a Saturday night restaurant getaway type spot uh, are tend to be okay. Four to 5% up versus, you know, two to 10% down. Um, so that's, that's been interesting to me. So, you know, those things that, how are these, how are these downtowns compared to their like power centers? You know, I didn't look at that. That's a, that's interesting. So is, is the downtown, you know, historic core, how's that performing against the power centers? Yeah. Like I have no idea which cities you looked at, but the one that I'm thinking of in my head is Weatherford because I'm familiar with it. Okay. They've got their historic downtown up on 180 and 51. Mm-hmm. And then about two miles south, right on 20, is their like major power center. There's like a Walmart, was there Lowe's, Target, right? All of the like big boxes on the highway. Um, if you could think of those two like distinct regions and in cities of probably that size, maybe more often than not, sort of on the periphery of a major urbanized area. I think with those towns, I just looked at two of them real quick. Um, and I did not look at Weatherford since you said it okay. out loud. So I'll point <laughs> that out. Um, I think with those, those two towns, uh, most power centers are down statewide, right? Most general retail sales are down. And that's what you're going to find in your power centers. Grocery is up in most areas, right? General retail is down. And I think, you know, you could look at the market, stock market, right? You can look at the guidance being given from... Best Buy, Coles, Walmart, Target, yeah. Walmart, Target, all that, all their guidance right now is negative, right? So I don't think that's going to shock anybody that we're seeing, 
you know, somewhat stagnant and negative numbers. Um, whereas no, I, re- I really would say from a downtown standpoint, it seems to me that like downtowns that are within a spitting distance of a metropolitan area within 30 minutes or so of, of a major uh, employment center seem to be doing uh, well. So in downtowns that are a little further out or touristy, quote unquote, in a state, which there are lots of in Texas. That's uh, one of the best parts about the state of Texas, in my opinion. You can always like, you know, grab a VRBO and go have yourself a little you know, romantic retreat on the weekend um, and lots of small towns. Uh, so DFW, you know, obviously is not super far from, you know, either going down towards the lakes in South Texas or going to, <laughs> I had to get my South Texas comment in there or, you know, headed to the hill country, whichever way you want to go. Um, they seem to be stuttering just a little bit more. To conclude on this, downtowns are super finicky. Right. Every downtown has like its own living, breathing culture uh, that's adjusted to it. I, so it's very difficult to compare downtowns, right? Like it's really, really hard to look at it. Um, But overall, the downtown areas actually seem more stable than your general retail power centers. I think that's the best comparison to look at right now. Yeah. Yeah. So Main Street is doing better than Wall Street. (laughs) okay there you go so when you mentioned this topic patrick uh one thing i thought might be worth talking about is how important that downtown is Uh like i would bet if you looked at just nominal revenue most of those smaller downtowns are not generating as much as their power centers right they they generate a lot of revenue they take up a lot of space but they generate a lot of revenue. But the one thing that I always think about, like as I'm driving across the state, is every place looks the same, right? Like our economic development efforts are so focused on bringing in the exact same uh, businesses in the exact same format, and everything just looks the same. Yeah. The downtown is the differentiator. I- like, okay, so you know, maybe you feel like you need to have. Maybe you need to have that power center with, you know, either whether it's a Walmart or Target or a Lowe's or Home Depot, or, you know, we got to have to have these sort of secondary uh, uh, stores that follow our anchors. We have to have these restaurants, you know, we're going to get our chilies and our pluckers and whatever else. Everyone has those. It's so boring. So should your we... downtown is like your hidden gem of uniqueness and what your city is. And we just neglect it. I, I mean, man, I just, I, I have to say this and give a huge shout out. Granberry, Texas has done an absolute tremendous job with their downtown. Um, they have fine dining to fish tacos. They have live music. They have a theater. I mean, it is tremendous what has gone on in, in Granbury. It, it is, it is a gem of a city. I jokingly call it the place where all city managers got to retire. Cause it, <laughs> I, I feel like there are, I run into a retired city manager in Granbury all the time. Um, it is such a sense of place, but in today's world in Texas, you couldn't do that. Like Granberry, when they built downtown required everything to have Granberry stone on it, which is a very specific white chalk. That's fine. Stone, but right? that's, that's sort of, uh, I mean, I get how that affects the public realm, but it is, it's just a piece of the puzzle that makes that place feel the way that it does. Right. Right. It doesn't have like it could be brick and it would still have that unique feel. 
of a downtown versus a, a cinder block or a tilt wall, 200,000 square foot, you know, box store and a power center. The river that they have adjacent to it, the city hall complex that they build. I mean, the generations of the generations of leadership. That park on the backside of the city hall is so cool when you walk in. Dude, it's incredible. Uh, but the generations of leadership that it takes to build what they built there is just, it's wild. And they have power centers that are out. Of course they do. Off 377 and and some other areas. If you know that market well, they have a lot going on, but it is incredible. They, they don't, I mean, from an industry standpoint, right. They have some industry that's been driven by people who've moved there because of the environment that has been built, especially COVID. A lot of people move there in in the COVID side because it's just such a dynamic little city. Their population is not huge. It's not. But let me ask you a question. When you think of Granberry, do you think of the downtown or do you think of the power center? Think of downtown. Now think of another random city in your head. Do you think of the unique things or does like when you picture it, are you picturing the same stuff that is everywhere else? Why? So I, you know, that's a really good question. Uh, So I went to Crowley today to, uh, they have one of their staff members who's leaving. And so uh, who's been a good friend of ours, uh, Jack Thompson, congratulations on getting the city manager job in LaGrange. And so I was in LaGrange today, or sorry, Crowley. Crowley. I was in Crowley today. And, um, you know, I think 10 years ago, and a lot of people probably still think this, if you think of Crowley, Texas, all you think about is just urban sprawl, right? Like it's just, it is what it is. Man, their downtown redevelopment that they worked really hard on. I mean, you you, you and I have known Robert, the city manager there for a long time. I mean, he's basically spent a, a generation at this point trying to bring that city to where it's at now. Man, their downtown development is awesome. Like the plaza that they built, uh, you know, the things that they had to do. And you knew they took a ton of heat trying to build all that to give Crowley a sense of place, to not just be a postage stamp on the way to work but to actually be a community on its own, um, you know, they got it started. It's not done by any means, but they got it started. They have a well, walkable a city downtown never space. Done. Yeah. So I don't... That, that Hold on. That is such a wild thing that you just said. What's that? It's not done. Yeah. Do you, I, I want to analyze the psychology of that statement. Okay. Go for it. Okay. Do we ever think of these things as done? No. Do we really? Maybe we do. Sad. I, I think that's a sad approach. Oh, I maybe I agree, but like, okay, we're built out. We've got our we've got our stuff here. We're done. Like, we're done with this development. What does it mean to be done with the development? I mean, and and what is the tra- trajectory of a development if you build it and you're done with it? Can it go? Uh, can it get better? Or can is it going to stay the same, or is it going to get worse? Well, I think if you stay the same, look, I can. I think complacency is always is always uh, less, right? So stay the same to me is always loss. So um, now I I want to clarify. No one at Crowley said that that they're done, right? No, in fact, that was just a throwaway line that you said. That was a throwaway. I'm just digging into the into the throwaway line here. In fact, Robert, when he was talking about the work that they had done together, he was talking about Jack specifically and the work that they've done together, and it's pretty special what they've done. Um, And they've got another great ACM DCM over there, Lori, who's taken over as city manager when when Robert retires here in a little bit. But um, Robert made the comment that there were there were people before me, and there will be people after me, and it's the responsibility of those that come after all of us 
and uh, to continue that, to to keep moving in that direction, right? Um, and I think that's the amazing thing about Granberry is that it's like it's never stopped. Mm-hmm. I mean, they you know they've got an old historic movie theater down there. They've got an old um, you know Granberry Live, which is a you know almost like a little mini Opry, right? I mean, you get to see some pretty cool things in that town, and, yeah. and it's just continued to get improved. Uh, from uh, uh, and it's uh, uh, and it's not vehicle centric. That's the crazy thing about their downtown. They have a parking area around the square, but really, that's the secondary. Once you get there, you can walk from place to place. Yeah, once you get yeah. there, it's very it's very walkable. So it's kind of it's, you know, whereas uh, I would say Weatherford, which is right down the road, and Weatherford's done a tremendous job with their downtown, and they continue to throw uh, what I would consider pocket projects. So instead of going and spending thirty million dollars and trying to do some crazy redevelopment project, Weatherford's you know doing small projects here and there and done a really good job with it and allowed some of the residential houses right off of downtown to be converted to commercial. Yeah. It's the Jane Jacobs approach. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's worked and, and they're yeah. doing, they're doing a really good job on it. Uh, funny enough, I think internally um, or politically, I think would be about not internally, but politically, I think they still focus on the big wins out on the interstate. Right. And I think the point you're trying to make, and it's a good point is what do you actually recognize when you talk about Weatherford, Texas? Right. You if you were to talk about a city like Weatherford, would you want to think about the power center on 20 or would you want to think about the downtown? Like if you work for the city, if you live in the city, Correct. what would you want people from outside the city to picture in their head when they hear the name? Which you can, so the, the square, right? And the courthouse, the courthouse is, is one of the prettiest courthouses in Texas. It's gorgeous, right? It's much better than the like castle with turrets that we saw the other day. <laughs> Let's not call out a county courthouse. That was weird. I, know, I didn't say who it was, and it was wild though. <laughs> so it's like medieval England. Uh, is so, somebody is going to send us an email and be like, "I figured out where you're." That's went. my courthouse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're going to be like, "I tracked all the different things you talked about, and we figured out where you went." But I mean, you know, honest, honestly, there's truth on that. Uh, like, you can't. It's it's hard to safely walk to the courthouse because of the way the traffic circle in Weatherford works, right? Yeah. Thanks, Textot. Yeah. So. Um, and and those are that's one of those things about you know we're just we were very car centric when you know that was even that was like a '90s project right that wasn't even like an '80s style project that was like 1990s early 2000s and you know like the walls the, the famous walls that get knocked over on the square were were installed back in the early 2000s and so they've done some stuff there but overall they've actually made some progress. They've tightened up streets. They've changed the way the parking lots work and it's slow traffic down, even though it's still a state highway coming through the middle of it. Um, and they've done it without having to reroute an entire state highway, which was always kind of the thought that they would have to do that to revitalize downtown. And they've been able to revitalize downtown with the state highway still going through it, which is impressive. It does still take a little too much of a car to get around there. Right. If you want to go from one side of the square to the other, I'm not sure playing Frogger across the highway is the way to do it, but, um, you know, but they've they've been able to kind of create these like mini economies on each segment of the square. So one segment has like attorneys and title companies and things like that, like professional services, and then one side of the square has like restaurants. That's and my cigar shop. That's your cigar shop, <laughs> yeah. yes. Uh, and you know some other things, and so they've kind of created like these little pods, and they've done pretty well with that, and they've brought a lot of employment to that downtown area as well. It's been pretty impressive, uh, especially because they started with something that was very difficult, kind of like Crowley started with something that was just a drive-through. Um, and so, um, you know, but I, I think places like a Fredericksburg, right. Or a, 
uh, you know, a Granberry uh, or a Georgetown or some of these other folks, like they start with something that is much more dynamic and much more historical and, and move into that. Another one that we don't really talk about is an episode or not an episode of, but uh, Nacogdoches. Nacogdoches. Yeah. Nacogdoches is a, is another cool little downtown. Uh, and, you know, the question is, do you have to have, what do you have to do as a city manager to be able to build things like that? Like, do you have to be, you don't have to, you have, you don't have to do anything. We used to build things like that. All those places are from 120 years ago. Yeah. But to keep it going, like you have to not divert all of your resources elsewhere. Fair. But don't you need like to that's continue how you to have get to private? <laughs> don't you continue have to get private investment in those areas though? You do, but when so don't you have to be like attention an evangelical is, downtown? Oh yes, absolutely. I mean, you're the salesperson here. Yeah. Right. Correct. So I think you know quite well how how much you have to evangelize it. You have to find the things that make it special, and then highlight those things, and make it seem like it's way better than it is, so that you can attract investment and actually make it realize its potential. So it's really hard to do that if all of your attention is focused on the highway. I would agree. I would agree with that. Um, and focus on a development pattern that we, not to like harp again on the power centers, because there's, there's a place for them and there's obviously a market for them. But when we build them, we're done with them. But do you think like, remote? What a, what a boring you, way to like run a city is to build a bunch of stuff that we just kind of say, all right, we're done with this. Let's move on to the next one. Like we should be looking for options and places where we can continually improve. And a, but, and a type of place that can continually get better. But do you think remote sales actually creates a better niche for downtown? For downtowns, markets? absolutely. Yeah, me too. Like I, I, I think, I think Main Street you, would claim you can, that you Wall Street able... took advantage of them in that, like the closing of the bookstore, right? Like the Amazon mm -hmm. taking over the Barnes and Nobles, right? I think they would. You claim will be able that's to put your WalMarts and your Targets and your Home Depots and your Lowe's. You'll be able to put them way out in the middle of nowhere because they're going to be mostly just like delivery traffic. Yeah. We're not going to actually go to those stores. Like they're going to build concepts that have smaller footprints because more and more of the shopping that occurs there is going to happen online. Well, it's a lifestyle center, right? Like your downtown should be the lifestyle center. Like yeah, it should be, the, it should the be. beauty of downtowns is a lifestyle center versus the sort of artificial lifestyle centers that we try to create is that the, the uniqueness and the, the incremental growth of those downtowns give it an actual sense of place and not just like this sort of artificial facade that we, we built this huge lifestyle center. Yeah. Now you should come here and, and enjoy it. I'm thinking of a handful of them that I, don't, I won't mention, but. Yeah, I. I you know, and, and, and some of those are going to be, you know, sprawl communities that never had downtowns, right? They just became cities in the middle of nowhere over time. And so they're going to have to create some type of. True, but Hudson Oaks never had like a downtown. But the big plan that we put right. together was to essentially create one. And I wouldn't say that, I don't think that plan is dead, right? No, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, they've acquired significant property to make that happen at some point. The question is just when does the investment trigger get pulled on it? So securing land is and finding private owners to secure that land uh, when you don't have public investment funds to do it with um, is, is very, very difficult to do. But 
I mean, when I was in the city of Bryan, I mean, I felt like we, I'd have to go back and check the numbers, but when we redeveloped downtown Bryan, I felt like the city owned like half a downtown by the time the redevelopment started because they had to go in and just buy things up to clean it up, right? Now, downtown Bryan, I would say, is one of the prettiest downtown areas in the state of Texas. Very pretty. So uh, I need to go down there. I'll go to Bryan. I'll stay out of College Station. You. The LaSalle Hotel. The LaSalle Hotel was bought by the city of Bryan and redone. And now I think it's technically like a Magnolia Hotel, if I remember. But um, I feel like Greenville did that, too. South Carolina. I feel like they bought a hotel and then... I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. It. I can't remember for sure. Yeah. But uh, I, I mean, I, I do think, I think the downtowns are like a very important part of, of who we are and we can't really lose track of that as a community. And it does, I, I, it does strongly take an evangelical style leader, whether that's your economic development, downtown director, uh, I mean, I, I'll just tell you from experience because I live here and I go to some of their events, but you know, downtown Waterford has been significantly transformed by the fact that they hired a, a downtown director who's, you know, very good. She's very good. So, you know, putting on events and showcasing businesses and having a social media following and having an IG following and all those different types of things that you have to have in today's world are extremely important. Is uh, it no longer called Insta? Uh, I don't think we, I think we call it I, I don't know. Or IG. I don't I, I don't yeah. I doubt it's called the gram. Yeah. I called it Insta. I've never been an Instagram user, so Are I don't you making know. fun of me like five years ago calling it Insta? That's what a lot of people were calling it. It's hard though, because as you get older, you're always on the tail end of those trends. Okay. So by the time it gets to you now, like at our age, it's already like washed through the younger kids. I will ask the high school principal what the correct term okay. is now, and she'll she'll let me know, and and I'll let you. <laughs> I'll, Please I'll bring do follow up next time. Yeah, uh, you know about Riz. I do know about Riz. Okay, I'm it's, full of Riz. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that was the most bad statement you could make. <laughs> that was that was bad. Uh, yeah, I I learn all about the new terminology. Usually, the like the first or second week of school. Uh, at the dinner table, we'll go through all the new terms, both from the high school level and the uh, junior high and the elementary, because we have all three now in our family. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's uh, it's quite entertaining for me to learn all the new words. And then as a, an annoying dad, I use them at every opportunity I can that's not appropriate. So what good is being a dad if you can't embarrass your kids? Yeah, true. Speaking of embarrassing my kids, my kid had his first Valentine. Oh, yeah? Yeah. The um, the little girl who asked him to be his Valentine, which, you know, I'm such a traditional male. I, I had a problem with that. He should ask her, but you know, it is what it is. Um, the, <laughs> the, the little girl who asked him super, super, super sweet little girl, uh, wrote him a note, George, uh, straight style. No, it'd be Tim McGraw, right? Check yes or no. Is Tim McGraw? I believe so. Okay. So, uh, give me, you keep talking. I'll confirm. Will you be my Valentine? Please check yes or check no. That uh, that was the letter that he got. So what what did he check? Yes. Yeah. Check yes or no. George Strait. You were hey, right. The first time. It was George. Okay. So did I just? I think I just lost my Texas card. I think so. And George. the fact that I when I you said, said George first, it, you did. But when you said Tim McGraw, I literally couldn't hear it except in Tim McGraw's voice. Maybe Tim. That was the wildest thing. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, I don't know. That was a very popular song when we were in, I'd say yeah. like junior high, right? You'd be a junior it high. It came out like, in 95. Yeah. So well, that's like elementary. I think you're a year behind me. So you would have graduated, gotten into sixth grade in the 94, 95 school year. Wow. The fact that you could do that math in your head is still impressive. I'm getting old. I need to go put my readers on right now. Apparently. Make sure you have your cane over there in the corner for when you get up. I'll tell you what, with the pretty pictures that my wife put on the wall in my office, if anybody's been on Zoom calls with me, you can tell I had nothing to do with these. But uh, I had nothing to do with these, but I did put them up. They are weird are Star they? Wars, weird Star Wars characters, like this, in suits. Like this is Yoda, Yoda in a suit. Nice. Pretty sure that's Darth Vader. Nice. This is this this column is all of the the dark side people. Okay. And then this column is all of the light side people. Interesting. And then okay. I did pick these out. I have eight like sort of retro stylized, almost art deco stylized posters of various cities. I can't with you. So anyways, I'm done with my downtown conversation. Do you have anything else? No, okay. I'm good. I, I honestly didn't think that was going to go for an hour, but hopefully it was worth it. Yeah. You know, let's get into it. General I idea. guess I'll find out for sure once I start editing. Yeah, probably if so. it was any good. Probably so. Yeah. So, um, all right, that's all I've got, man. What do you? What else cool. you got? We got anything else to talk about? I think we should probably cut it short here. Well, okay. not even short. I think we should cut it long. Okay, cut it.